Sharika Matthews, and you're listening to Orgasmic Relationships, a podcast designed to show women how to create deep, passionate, soul-stirring relationships. Each week, we will discuss topics ranging from dating, situationships, marriage, divorce, and everything in between. So if you're ready to transform your love life and shift your perspective about what's really possible for you, you're in the right place. Hi there, ladies, and welcome back to another episode of Orgasmic Relationships. I am your host, Sharika Matthews, life coach and relationship expert. Most of us consider ourselves to be confident women, right? We are successful, high achieving, and have accomplished more in our lifetime than we thought was even possible when we were 10, 12, or even 18 years old. But romantic relationships have a way of exposing our insecurities and our fears in a way that threatens to shake our confidence, confidence in ourselves, and confidence in being able to have the love that we truly desire. And that is why I've invited today's guest with me, Yolandi Hamilton, personal stylist and confidence coach. In her words, she says, when I examined my inner traumas and then related them to my exterior, I found that I was pushing away all of the toe curling relationships. It was only after I found a way to fully embrace myself that I found what I could only describe as my one. And we are said to be married in July. Welcome, Yolandi, and thank you so much for joining me here on the Orgasmic Relationship Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about your journey in discovering your confidence. I know when we talked earlier, this really got spurheaded by a recent divorce, right? Right? Yeah, and there were some events even leading up to that that showed me I was in need of a separation from that relationship, that the entire environment that I was operating in was doing nothing but squashing me and putting out my inner light um, and killing my confidence, essentially, to be the person that I should be. Um, and so that series of events um, was seems like it, like when I look back on it, I'm still shocked that things went down the way that they did. Um, because at the time, yeah. it was so mundane. And when you look back at things, you see like the magic in the moment and how it redirects your life to where you need to be. So what had happened in my case was my little sister had asked me to take her to the theater to help do some work up in their costume loft. And seeing as clothing is kind of my thing, I was like, absolutely, I'll give you a ride, I'll help, I'll hang out. One thing leads to another, and I'm helping backstage. I'd always wanted to be on backstage, but or be on stage, not just backstage. And I thought, well, I can't do that. That's not something that people like me do. But after a week of listening to these people repeat the lines and do the motions, I realized, oh, well, they're only confident enough to get out there in the first place because they've been practicing this for two months already. So at this point, like, this is really just from memory. They're just going through the motions. They could be asleep and still do this show, and it would still be great. So then I thought, 
okay, maybe I can do this too. Maybe I can get up on this stage. So the next show that they had was My Fair Lady. And I auditioned. I got into the show. And then I freaked out because I realized, oh, my God, I have to do it. (laughs) I have to get out there. So (laughs) I summoned every ounce of confidence I had. And I did it. And it was amazing. And I was hooked. And then the next show they had was Hair which if you know anything about hair, not to be confused with hairspray, hairspray is the civil rights one, hair is the one with hippies and protesting the Vietnam War, there's a scene at the end of act one where it's like a mock orgy, everybody gets naked. And so the director tells us this at the first read through that um, we're gonna do that scene, we're not gonna cut it. And he's like, just get to your level of comfort on stage, you know, whatever naked means to you. Like, if you just want to, like, fake remove a shirt, do that. And I remember thinking, okay, this is, like, one opportunity in my life that I can do this, and I can say I did it. So I did. I went, like, as naked as I could. I still had to keep something on to hold my microphone. Um, But, yeah, I was like, I'm going for it. So I went from this place of I can't even do the thing to, like, doing as much as I possibly could. And then that forced me to examine my home life because my spouse was not supportive of this. It was a huge time commitment, which can be a drain. Um, And with kids, like it's, it's hard to get through. So I totally understood that point of view. But then came the insults with, you know, you're selfish. You only care about yourself. You know, that's so terrible of you to pour all your time into that. What about the rest of us? And that's when I realized that the environment that I was in was slowly killing me. And I was taking all these steps to placate him and to be this person that I thought I was supposed to be instead of being myself. Yeah, and that happens so much, so often. Um, We as women tend to lose ourselves in relationships because of predetermined or predefined roles and views of who we are as women and who men should be and how we should show up in relationships because sometimes we some of us are actually taught that we have to cater to our to our man's need or to our husband's needs and put our needs and our desires and our dreams on the back burner and this is how you end up losing yourself this is one of the ways your confidence um, just gets pulled from under you it's it's the beginning of a long line of toxic relationships and toxic habits that if you don't catch it early enough you'll wake up one day and look in the mirror and won't even recognize the woman looking back at you. Am I right? And that's essentially what had happened is I was spending all this time with these people at the theater and they were telling me all these things about the kind of person that I was. You know, oh, you're so nice. You're so fun. You care so much. Thank you so much. You're so helpful. And I'm like, wait a minute. Do you have the right person? Like, are you talking to me? Is there someone behind me that you're talking to? Because what I was being fed at home was the complete opposite. And... I really, I did, I looked in the mirror and I was like, okay, so they're saying one thing and this is multiple people saying this thing. And then he's saying a different thing and none of it lined up. And so I had to like re-examine who the heck am I? Like, who is this person looking back at me? Because I honestly, I don't even know anymore. And yeah, that just set off a whole chain of events where I realized that it was time to divorce. It was time to go our separate ways that we could be better people and I couldn't be happier now with the result. Yes. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go back a second to something you touched on with the theater and the first time that you went to go help your sister and you saw all these people practicing on stage and you made the comment that um, that they are they're confident on stage because they practice. And I found that to be true for some of us who don't feel as confident as what we want to. I think it's important, like for your experience, to have a tribe of people to speak life into you and see the parts of you that that you don't even see about yourself. But also, sometimes you have to practice confidence. It's like practicing in order to walk in a pair of stilettos or your first pair of heels when you were, what, 12 or 13 or 15, however old you were, right? Right. The first time you did it, you was kind of wobbly, like... I don't know if I could do this and put me back in some flats. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was easy. a little unsteady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that sometimes it's easy to stay where you are, to stay in a place of not believing in yourself, to stay in a place of not really seeing your power, to stay in a place of not really being heard or chasing your dreams than it is to find the confidence and the courage to be confident. <laughs> it's almost a little confusing a little bit right you have to be confident to be confident right and that's the thing that most people misunderstand about confidence is there's this misconception that you know okay some people are just born with it you know that they're just naturally confident but that's not me that I'm not that kind of a person and whether you're an introvert or an extrovert confidence takes practice and confidence is really just uh something that you are comfortable doing so like if I said uh I'm going to need you to tie your shoes. How confident are you that you can do that? You're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, I can do that. No problem. And then if I said, okay, well, I'm going to need you to walk a tightrope. How confident are you in doing that? You'll be like, oh, well, I've never done that before. I'm not confident at all. (laughs) Exactly. And it's just the difference in you've tied your shoes like a million times. And how many times have you walked on a tightrope? Never. (laughs) I'm assuming unless, you know, that's a hobby that you've got. Um, So it's really just about understanding where you need a little extra support in your confidence and working on those pieces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of my former mentors, she used to do um, what she called a confidence walk. This was like 10 years, 10 plus years ago, where she would encourage people to dress up or not even dress up, wear comfortable clothes, usually leggings and a shirt, put on some heels and you strut down the street. And you would do it collectively, or you could even do it at home in front of your mirror, where you would do a confidence walk towards yourself in front of a mirror so that you can get used to seeing yourself being confident, even though you don't really feel confident just yet. Exactly. You know what they say sometimes, seeing is believing. And being able to walk to yourself in the mirror, seeing yourself pretending (laughs) to be confident, until you feel confident, and then you are confident. Exactly. And I recommend and a very similar exercise to my clients where um, I have them, like, practice at home, like, walk in front of the mirror just like that a few times. Um, I like to think of it like those teen movies, you know, where the girl is practicing in the mirror to talk to the boy. Like, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're just practicing to be yeah. your confident self. And uh, so practice at home a few times, and then I'll say, go out in public and think what I took uh, modeling classes when I was a teenager and one of the things that they taught us was how to walk down the runway with confidence and she said uh, when you walk down the runway she said you want to look down at your audience she said you won't be able to see everybody but you'll be able to see the first couple of like rows of people 
and mm -hmm. think about how they are looking at you right now because you are the center of attention. They want to be you or they want to date you. And those are generally the two thoughts that they're having when they're looking at you up here on the runway. So she said, think that and embody that. She said, you know, walk down the runway, look at a face and think, you want to be me. You wish you could be me. You wish you could date yes. me. And so yes. I tell them, walk through public and think those same things. Like you walk past a cute guy that you really like or girl, whatever you're into, you know, yes. you think, hey, you really wish you could date me, don't you? But you can't because. <laughs> I'm all that. So we're just going to keep on walking over here. You know, oh, hey, you, you like my outfit? You wish you could look this good in this outfit. And just think all those like thoughts that really build you up. And it, it is a game changer. I couldn't believe the difference when I first did it. I, mean, I was 13 at the time. And yeah, yeah, it like really catapulted me into a different level of confidence uh, that I had before. And those are awkward years, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you, ma'am. <laughs> and you know, I I wish that all young women had an opportunity to take a class like that, take a confidence class, take a model walking class, because it really sets the tone for your posture as a woman. Not just physically your posture, but your energy, your energetic posture when you walk into a room, when you go for a job interview, when you're out here dating, because when you're out here dating, man, these dating streets are not for the weak of heart. <laughs> there are men out here. There are some good men. Let me keep let me keep it real. There are some very good men out here. But then there are other men who are like, mm, you really thought you could step to me. You really thought you're cute. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying, right? No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's the good ones and then there's the other ones, <laughs> which you touched yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. I think enough said about the other ones. But yeah, so it's like yeah, when you so walk into a room, you have to like have that, um, you know, a je ne sais quoi, I guess, that people are like, oh, there's yeah. something different and special and interesting about her. And it doesn't have anything to do with what you're wearing. It comes from the inside. Absolutely. We often say that we teach others how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. And it's, it's taking a step further. It's not just how you treat yourself, but it's what you think about yourself. And one of the challenges, especially for women, is we often hold ourselves back or water ourselves down because we don't want others to think that we are arrogant. And and we often confuse that confidence with arrogance, and those are two different things, right? And and Absolutely part of it is the intention behind it, right? You know, arrogance is sitting up here thinking that you are better and above everyone, where you're looking down on them. But confidence is just owning who you are. It is owning the person that God created you to be. No more, no less. You're not comparing yourself to anyone, right? And having that confidence is what allows you to say, you know what, this relationship is not working for me because it doesn't honor who I am and it's not honoring who I'm becoming. Exactly. And, and it allows you to move towards that place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's something that you touched on that I just want to like go back to with how we treat ourselves. The way you think about yourself mm -hmm. is the way that you will treat yourself. And the way that people see you treating yes. yourself is the way they will treat you, which then feeds back into how you think about yourself. So you are creating your own feedback loop by how you think about yourself. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Your own feedback loop. That is a good one. And um, this just came to mind. Um, what's her name? Chloe Bailey just released a song called um, Treat Me Like I Treat Me. And it's literally <laughs> in essence of exactly what we're saying here. And of course, the music video is her shopping. But if you listen to the lyrics and listen to the words, she's talking about if you want to be in a relationship with me, you have to think of me at least as highly as I think of myself in order for you to treat me how I treat me. Yep, exactly. And, and that's I what love I discovered. That because she's a, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying she's an, I love it because she's an up and coming pop star. I don't know what genre she's in, but she's pretty popular right now, right? And she's 20 something. So she's really influential on our young women who are coming up to not just be popular and not just be pretty. But to get into your self-love, get into your self-confidence, get into your, your, your energetic posture that says, I value myself, I know who I am, and I refuse to accept anything less, right? Right. And that's exactly what it took me uh, roughly three years, two, two and a half years um, after the divorce to discover with a string of bad dates and some pseudo relationships, I realized exactly what she said, that whoever you are out there that's right for me needs to treat me the way that I treat me. And that's when I turned, instead of outward, trying to find this person, trying to be what they were looking for, I just decided that I was going to be what I'm looking for. And everything just kind of clicked and fell into place. It was maybe three weeks after I made that decision. You know, like they always say, you find it when you're not looking. But I had stopped looking. Yeah. I was inward. It was about me. <laughs> I was taking care of business, you know. And all of a sudden, there he was, like out of nowhere. And yeah. it, it was like a match yeah. made in heaven. I, I never believed in soulmates, honestly, until I met him. And now I'm like, okay, maybe I need to rethink my position. <laughs> and it's funny because all you need is one you know sometimes we feel we feel rejected we feel I don't know we, we don't feel as confident about ourselves because we haven't found our person yet or we're still dating we haven't found the right one for us but it's not about the masses liking you it's not about the masses being a good fit for you you're just looking for that one person who is a good fit for you, who helps you become the next best version of yourself. And that is my definition of a soulmate. <laughs> it's like the perfect pair of jeans. How many pairs of jeans do you try on before you find the one that fits just right? Thousands, like literally thousands. Exactly. And when you find that one, oh, it is, <laughs> it is a beautiful thing. And that's what the relationships are like. When you yeah. finally find that one, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You know what you've got, you know what you have to offer, and you know that you have someone who can reciprocate that, and everything in life changes. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this about your journey. Um, when you made that decision to turn inward and do the work, what did that really look like? I know we kind of hinted on practicing and changing your thoughts. But what did that what did that process really look like for you? If you had to do like a step one, two, three, what was what did that look like? Uh, well, it's actually the process I 
turned into my uh, client process because like we're focused on your um, style and making that over but before we even get to any of that we got to do the inside work and so what I had done with myself was really doing some meditating and some journaling and questioning almost every thought that I had every time I thought oh well I am blah 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 wait a minute why am I thinking that about myself or why am I thinking that about this thing it really took me questioning all the thoughts that I was having about the, the world in general, about myself and my attitude, the experiences I was having, to understand how I personally process things and how I view things and what actually matters to me and what's important to me. Uh, my fiance now put it as, I put a lot of thought into thinking. Yes, I like that. I like that. And that is good because we cannot be mentally lazy when it comes to our lives, to our hearts, to to just life in general, really. Yeah. That is, that's really powerful. And I think what I heard also is taking back your power to choose. Yes. You get to choose your thoughts. Yes. You get to choose how you see yourself. Absolutely. You get to choose how you treat yourself. And, and I use that phrase intentionally because, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves into predefined roles and expectations that society may have, that something that you were taught by your family or something that you were taught by religion. We tend to pigeonhole ourselves into who we think we should be or who we thought we should be instead of exploring who am I on a cellular level who am I on a spiritual level who am I on an emotional level and then making choices and decisions from that would you agree I do I agree 100% and that that was like the core of when I developed my process I realized that as women we carry all these um, ideas and I would say a good 80% of them are not even our own ideas or thoughts. They're things that someone mm -hmm. said to us and we just incorporated and took in as truth. We read it somewhere and, oh, well, they, you know, they must know what they're talking about. So I'm going to take that as truth. And that's now my truth. Uh, you know, grandma said, and so grandma knows, grandma's been around a while. I guess I'll just, you know, take that as my yeah. truth. But if you sit and question, like, is that really your truth? Is that really what you believe? And how do you have to approach that to change it is really where the work comes in and figuring out how do you take what you heard from grandma and is there a part of it that resonates? Is there any of it that resonates? Yeah. And if it doesn't resonate, what does resonate? Is it the opposite of that? Is it something related to that? And that's how you find your values and what you really believe in. Yeah, like someone once told me, sometimes you have to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Keep what's exactly. good for you, spit out the rest. Because <laughs> yep. not everything that's fed to you, not everything that's taught to you is good for you. And so we have to learn, again, what I said earlier, to choose <laughs> what it is we, we what it is we want to feed our spirits, what we want to feed our minds, and what we want to feed our lives. Because... I'm a true believer that whatever you think 
is what you create in your life. Whatever you believe is what you what you what is what you create. Your thoughts lead to your words, your words lead to your commitments and your actions, and your actions create the life that you're living. Yes. And so if you're not in alignment, because sometimes we say, I want to meet the love of my life, but we're holding on to this belief that I'm unlovable. We're holding on to this belief that um I can only meet the man that I desire if I weigh a certain amount or if I dress a certain way or if I go to a certain school, right? And so those are two opposing things. You believe one thing, but you say you want something else and it creates that chaos and that conflict in your life that, that creates you not getting exactly what you want. And that's why I agree with you. There's this tool that I use. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Coach Brooke Castillo? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you've heard of her model before, I use it and apply it to almost everything these days. Um, but just to like go back and use that example of I'm unlovable, but I want to find the man of my dreams. If you have this thought, I'm unlovable, what action does that create? Is it Does it make you go out and date when you think I'm unlovable? No, you're not going to go out and date. You're going to stay home and, you know, relax, have a glass of wine and a book because it's been a hard week. So that action results in no dates. And the result is you not finding the man that you love, which leads you right back to the top line of thinking, I'm unlovable. It's that feedback loop (laughs) all over again. And so we, we have to be so careful about what we're thinking and conscious of those thoughts that run because they can run wild like a safari up in there if we don't you know put some limits on it and intervene and really like I said question why am I thinking this why do I believe this do I even believe this right right and it's it, it can be a challenge to break that feedback loop like you know, for example, I was married once before as well. And some of the things that he said, let me take the back. He didn't actually say things. So I remember in our relationship, when we had conflict, I had a hard time verbalizing what I wanted to say and sharing how I, how I felt. So I used to write them down. I used to write a letter to him to make sure that I could get out what I'm really feeling and not say something that I didn't mean to say. And girl, he would come back with that letter with all kinds of footnotes. You're crazy. This didn't really happen. You shouldn't feel this way. Ma'am. And it was, it really weighed on me because it was a combination of that negative information I was getting from the person I had married and the person I love, plus the limits and the constraints that I that I believed about what a woman should be and what a wife should be, that it created such a toxic relationship between the two of us that I was that woman where I woke up one day, looked in the mirror and did not did not recognize the woman who was looking back at me. And looking back, I'm thinking, how did I break that loop? How did I, how was I able to leave that relationship, recognize my worth and really gain the confidence that I have today to come out here and speak my truth? So I wonder for you, Yolandi, how were you able to break that negative feedback or not how did you do it, but 
if you did not have the positive feedback from the theater you were a part of, how do you think you would have broken that feedback loop? Because some of us don't have that positive reinforcement in our lives to to bring to our forefront and consciousness that we are really worth so much more than what we think. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have... Yeah, yeah. I have mulled this over myself multiple times wondering if I had decided to tell my sister no that day, how differently things might have played out in my life. And looking back, I still think that I would still be married to that man, that I would still be in that relationship. I don't know that I would have seen uh, what I was really in and broken that cycle. I, I honestly don't know that without that outside perspective, I would have um, been able to recognize how unhealthy it was because I had like, you know, yeah. my parents, you know, uh, well, you know, relationships are tough. It takes compromise and, you know, friends like, oh, he's just being, you know, That's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, everybody meant well, but nobody was inside the home to see mm. the way things went down, like to, to hear the insults, to see like when I said, you know, oh, well, you don't remember this happened, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that didn't happen. You know, like it, it was crazy making. It was literally crazy making. And yeah. I, yeah. I really don't know that I would have recognized the, the toxicity and been able to escape. Yeah. Yeah, and that brings home the fact it is so important for you to have a tribe. It is so important for us as women to maintain relationships with people outside of our marriage, outside of our household. Because one thing, another thing I've, I've learned, not just from my experience, but with working with other women, is that sometimes when we are in toxic relationships or just we're just in unhealthy relationships, we don't tell nobody. Like we end up, what I see happening is we try to protect our husband or protect our partner, protect their reputation, I would say. So we don't always tell the truth about what's happening inside our four walls. We don't always tell the truth about how sometimes we'll sit in the car and cry before we go into the house because we're dreading the, the uh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I apologize for going, but but you understand how we keep so much bottled up inside because we don't want to be that woman, right? We don't want to be the right. victim. We don't want to be the person to break up the family. We don't be the first one to get a divorce. But those are the very things that keep us in bondage. Those are the very things that hold us back in life and not just in our romantic relationships, but that rolls over into our professional lives, right? Right. Yeah. So right. It's, everything. So I want everyone I want everyone who's listening to us right now, get you some friends. <laughs> get you some friends you can trust. Seriously. And it doesn't and, and yeah, and I know there's this real I call it a vicious rumor. Um, because I don't always believe it's true. But there's this vicious rumor that women have friends who always tell them, girl, just leave him. Don't don't put up with that. And yeah, we have girlfriends that tell us to leave him. But get you some girlfriends with wisdom. Get yeah. you some girlfriends who, who 
really does have your best interests at heart. They may not always be right, but if you're able to confide in someone, anyone, then that's the first step. And if you don't have that tribe, get a therapist. Let me tell y'all, my therapist, we are best, I would say best friends, but even though my relationship is great, a therapist is a great way to have that third party outside looking in who can give you a different perspective and give you foundational, healthy ways to deal with that. Because there are only so much that we as coaches can do for certain things, right? Then right. sometimes you just have to get a get a therapist. So I encourage everyone get you some friends you trust, get you a therapist, even when things are good, just to have that sounding board so that you don't slowly lose yourself in the relationships. I think you would agree, Yolandi, when in the beginning of a relationship, you don't see your confidence slipping. You don't see you losing yourself in the relationship until like you're waist deep in it, you're, you're, chest deep in and then you're almost suffocating at that point right right it took me uh, 13 years 14 years uh, to to recognize what had happened and what I had allowed myself to succumb to and it's it's hard to admit that and that's why it's important to have uh good friends before relationships like that you can confide in like you said because they see you in the good times and then when things get bad even if you can't recognize it and admit it they can because they know who you are and so when you show up looking different sounding different behaving different um they they can call you out on it be like hey what's going on give me the truth um because they see and i had a version of this it was probably it was probably about a uh, six months before um, the theater event happened that set everything into motion. I'd had a wine night with a couple of girlfriends, and we were sitting in her living room. And my uh, ex husband drove a car that had like a loud exhaust. He was like into the you know Fast and the Furious tuning yeah. things, and so yeah. his car made a lot of noise. And a car drove by that had a loud exhaust. And we were like mid conversation, and I just stopped like dead and stared up at the window like, "Is that him? Is he coming here?" And they like recounted that back to me post-divorce and they were like we were really worried about you at that point like when we saw the way that you reacted to a car driving by we knew something was very wrong so your friends can tell you when something's wrong even if you can't recognize it because I certainly didn't not at that point yeah yeah something similar happened to me too I remember um my I have a really large family, and so one of my brothers happened to be in Houston at the time, stopped by to visit. I hadn't seen my brother in years. Like it, we're so big, we just don't get a chance to see each other often. I opened up that girl that door, and the first he didn't even say hi to me. He didn't say how you were doing. The first thing he said to me was, "What happened to you? The light that's in that was in your eyes is no longer there. What's going on? We need to talk." I was like, "What? Okay, um, I." I thought I still had my light, but I really didn't. I really, I was such a watered down version of who I really was. And someone hadn't seen me in a couple, but he's my brother. He's family. He recognized it immediately. Didn't even say hi. I was so mad. (laughs) (laughs) But like, but like I said, see, he, he knew you in the good times and he called you out in the bad times. And and that's, that's what a good tribe will do for you. 
So yeah, if you're, like she said, if you're out there listening, get you some friends. Get you some good friends. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, so I want to kind of bring us to a close here, even though I am so enjoying our conversation. I know our audience is too. So what are some parting thoughts you want to leave with our audience? I know we already talked about practicing your confidence and we talked about getting you some good friends or a good therapist, but what is, what is something else you want our audience to take away from our conversation today? I think the one other thing that I want everybody to keep in mind is just how you're presenting yourself to the world. And I don't only mean like with the clothes that you're wearing. And while that is important, like remember that posture, remember to stand tall and remember to communicate to everybody that you belong where you are. And no one is going to tell you that you can't be there. So, you know, dress the part, act the part, feel the part is what I want you all to remember. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for those of my of the audience who want to reach out for reach out to you for confidence coaching for style, because one thing I can tell you, one of the best investments you can make, and I know this personally, is to get you a stylist. Because if you do all this inner work and you walk outside looking raggedy, your spirit ain't gonna be right. Because your spirit's like, wait a minute, I feel raggedy, but I feel good, and this. <laughs> So get you a stylist, ladies. I, it is one, one of the best investments you can make next to a coach, next to a therapist, then it's a stylist. So how would our audience reach out to you for your services? You can visit my website, hamiltonstyling.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram. I spend the most time there, also at hamiltonstyling. Um, just send me a DM and um, I will respond. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Yolandi, for joining me here today. I have truly enjoyed our conversation, and I really believe that our conversation here today has been such a blessing and such a help to anyone who's listened today. And to my audience, thank you again for joining me for another episode of Orgasmic Relationships, and I look forward to seeing you here again next week. Bye-bye.